Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Just Fish Outdoors. I'm your host, Dale York, and I designed Just Fish Outdoors to focus on freshwater, lakes, and streams, and to provide information, tips, and techniques, along with how-to segments for catching everything from crappie to catfish. We will also provide tips on equipment, tackle, boating, and much, much more. All of this is aimed at helping you catch more fish and have fun doing it. So join us each week as we talk about my favorite subject, fishing. And that brings us to uh, our our special focus today. Uh, Our special focus today is going to be on paddlefish. And we have a great special guest, uh, Jason Schooley, who is a biologist with the Oklahoma Wildlife Department. And Jason, uh, thanks for coming to the show. And if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your duties are with the department. Thanks for having me, Dale. I'm originally from Oklahoma, born and raised in Tulsa, and I got my bachelor's degree at Oklahoma State and then a master's degree at Arizona State studying fish and moved back home got a job with the great department of wildlife conservation and i'm studying fish now so it's sort of a dream come true and i'm really glad to be here talking fish with you well jason man it's it's great to have you uh i know you are probably the foremost uh, uh expert on paddlefish in the state and uh, if you could give us a little background on on exactly what is a paddlefish and maybe what their range is in Oklahoma. Well, I don't know if I'd call myself an expert, but I do my best. Uh, paddlefish, we like to call them a very primitive fish. They uh, historically they're widespread in the Mississippi and Missouri River basins, or used to be found in 28 states. They date all the way back to the Cretaceous period. So, paddlefish of some sort have been around as long as we've had fish in the oceans. Um, they're known as a primitive fish because of some of their biological characteristics. Uh, they, they are filter feeders. They have a cartilage skeleton. They get their name paddlefish from a distinct uh, bill they have on the front of their head known as a rostrum. Okay, that rostrum is, has a special function, does it not? Yes, it does. It's act, other than looking very cool, it <laughs> is loaded with... Uh, electrosensory cells and what they do with that is they don't actually hunt by sight they don't prey on uh, other fish for example they are filter feeders and they use that rostrum loaded with those cells they can actually pick up the electrical impulses of their primary prey which is zooplankton so so they're they eat nothing but zooplankton and swim around all day with their mouth open filtering the water for for these microscopic uh zooplankton and, and so they don't eat nothing else and that's the only reason we know of is that long protruding rostrum is is for the electrical or the sensory perception that it gives the fish to be able to feed uh the way it does yeah it's really kind of an interesting highly evolved technique they use to find food they do they have found other uh, objects or fish in their gut contents but uh, largely we think that's by accident they're swimming with a big mouth open sometimes they catch more than plankton and you was telling me an interesting uh, fact off mic a while ago about their ability to sense metal in the water yeah there have been some lab studies with paddlefish in uh, in tanks where in complete darkness they would put a metal object in a tank and the paddlefish would successfully avoid that through their electrosense. So they can pick up their surroundings 
and a lot of paddlefish will actually live their whole lives without really even needing their eyes. Wow. Uh, we've, we've caught a lot of paddlefish that have uh, eye deformities or injuries, and they're perfectly healthy. Well, you know, if you look at one of those things, that makes perfect sense. If you look at one, uh, their eye diameter in relationship to their body diameter is is super, super tiny, yes. which is something you see on uh, on any animal or any fish, uh, for like, for instance, a catfish. You know, uh, their eyes just do not seem to be proportioned like other predatory fish. Right. Uh, because I guess that's the reason why is they just don't use the eyes as much as they do other senses. Correct. To they're, feed. they're relying on that electrosense rather than you being a sight feeder like a largemouth bass. Wow, that, that's amazing. Now, if you could take us through a, a, a yearly cycle or a yearly migration of, of where these fish go, what do they do? As I mentioned, they're they're native to large river systems like the Missouri and Mississippi River. And uh, we, they are a migratory species. So these big rivers will have regular hydrological events like spring rains where the river swells and it floods off-channel waters. Well, during that, that spring period where the waters are rising, the temperature is warming up, these paddlefish are biologically cued to migrate upstream and search out spawning habitats, which uh, typically consist of cobble or gravel shoals or gravel bars in the main river channel. And they will then lay their adhesive eggs, which will eventually hatch, and their larvae uh, disperse downstream to uh, various rearing locations. So so they actually do not make a nest, so to speak. They're similar to maybe sand bass or hybrids or stripers, where they just lay their eggs in, in open conditions, and uh, their eggs actually adhere to whatever they come in contact with correct they don't nest they don't they don't necessarily have any uh, nesting characteristics like where they would defend territory they will actually stack up in holes in the river waiting for the right moment to go up river to their spawning grounds lay eggs and those eggs actually will stick to the rocks for about a week. Now, do you see in some of your studies or some of your observations, do, do you see a definitive water temperature range that this particular event happens? Uh, yes, and typically that's going to occur uh, about the latter half, early half of April in the Neosho Grand River system. That's primarily where our research occurs on Grand Lake and the Neosho River. Um, at that time of year is when anglers are focusing on this fish as well. So so we're uh, looking at water temperatures in the low 60s, something something of that nature? Uh, a little bit colder than that, yeah, 50s. Okay, all right. So so probably in that moon full moon phase around the high 50s, low 60s, given water conditions are are conducive to expand, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably where we're going to see X number of percentage of these fish spawn is during that full moon period around in that area. Yeah, and they they are they are keying in on temperature, but more so they're keying in on the flow characteristics. Uh, there have been studies out there that examined, you know, what sort of a percentage increase is needed in a river to, to cue them to migrate upstream. Um, and we're going to see really differential characteristics every year almost. We've had some drought years. We've had some flood years. And really they need kind of an ideal condition. So we're still learning. We've been studying paddlefish intensely since 2008. 
and so we've only experienced certain conditions just yet. But in other states, they've got a long, more, uh, uh, much longer uh, time period in which they've been studying paddlefish, and they can identify better better details on what the fish need to spawn. So different departments in different states are exchanging information to learn all they can about this particular fish. Correct. Oklahoma is one of 28 states that has paddlefish, and we participate in something called MICRA, which is a Mississippi Interstate Cooperative Resource Association where (laughs) we meet once a year, discuss paddlefish research. We try to set, uh, you know, standardized goals, objectives, right, and policies right. on paddlefish management. Uh, okay, so we're, we're coming upstream. We spawned in April, early April-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long do we stick around in these tributaries, and, and then where do we go, and, and when do we start moving back maybe down into the upper ends of the lake? At least in Grand Lake and the Neosho River, the fish are typically done uh, around the start of May, uh, first couple weeks of May. Paddlefish are interesting. We've been studying them through some technology. We've actually in, put transmitters in fish and tracked them. This is our fourth year coming up. We've been following 30 fish in Grand Lake. They seem to actually go into the river for a little bit, retreat back down, go into the river, retreat back down, and actually we'll use two rivers. So it's a little bit a head scratcher. We don't know if they're depositing their eggs on those early trips or if they're just waiting for the right moment, then they deposit all of them and then head back down high likelihood that they are not spawning until they spawn completely it's kind of interesting that they they're tentative in that they're they're ready and then they then they back out and those provide some interesting opportunities for anglers to target these fish because they're going into the river and then coming out i mean i'm just guessing here and by no stretch of my imagination of my biologist but i'm guessing here it could also have something to do with the flow rates in the river uh, and how that transforms into their migration Exactly. Um, if they feel that, that hydrograph descending, they will retreat. Yeah. And that's when they'll stack up in some of the deeper holes in the river, and that's where they're pretty vulnerable to snagging. So really, what if I'm understanding you correctly, what I'm hearing is uh, they have a lot of the same attributes, like a big striper wood or something of that nature that, that would travel up a tributary to spawn. As soon as they sense the water levels decreasing, if it's not right there on the spawn they'll run back to the nearest deepest hole until that flow rate comes back up or the water starts rising to to run back up the river again exactly and it makes sense because they don't want to invest all that time and energy making eggs deposit them on a gravel bar and then that gravel bar is out of the water in six hours yeah people you know that are listening need to understand that these fish are are very sensitive any fish uh, that runs up these tributaries is very sensitive to water flow and any increase or especially decrease in in the level of the rivers and tributaries. Uh, I mean, these things, you know, some of these tributaries are pretty small, like the Upper Illinois, this and that and the other, and our, our yearly spring sand bass run, for instance. You know, if, if the water starts up, these fish, a herd of these fish may come up the river, but as soon as that water starts back down, those fish are going to move somewhere. Yeah. they're not going to stay in that specific area they'll, they'll usually run back down to the to the nearest deepest hole whatever the definition of deepest hole is mm-hmm. and and so that's that's the same characteristic that we see on any kind of fish that's running up the river to spawn yes i've 
read enough about paddlefish and talked to enough paddlefish anglers that that I understand that this this phenomenon, especially in Oklahoma, uh, is enjoyed by people all over the Midwest. Uh, is that something you see as well? Yes. Uh, a lot of people would say that paddlefish angling in Miami, Oklahoma, and the Neosha River is pretty much about the best paddle fishing in the world. Wow. Um, and a lot of that is because we embrace it. Pat, Miami, they, they call themselves the spoonbill capital. Um, they, <laughs> really? Their city commerce just booms in the springtime when paddlefish anglers are coming from all over the U.S. Wow. We've done creel surveys, which demonstrate that anglers are traveling from across the U.S., continental U.S., as well as other countries to come to Miami, Oklahoma to catch paddlefish. Other countries? Yes. Wow. In some instances, these people are coming from places that have paddlefish to paddlefish in Oklahoma. And so so that's a big revenue shot for the state of Oklahoma, especially around the Miami area, as far as the tourism and fishery dollars that this fish brings in over the course of a year. Definitely. They will have campgrounds booked at least a year in advance. Wow. Hotels will be packed. So, yeah, it's it's made a big impact. I knew it was a, 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 a yearly thing that many, many people look forward to, but I, I had no idea it's, it was on the scope that what you're describing. That That's that's a very, very interesting thing. And I, I think you were telling me earlier off, off mic that uh, you think some of this is because the great efforts that everyone does in – keeping the fish, keeping the rates, keeping the populations where they are, but also the liberal catch rates that the Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma State puts on these fish. Yeah, we've been fortunate that paddlefish in Oklahoma have been very healthy and abundant, uh, especially in the recent few years. Uh, in Grand Lake and the Neosho River, we experienced a population explosion due to a very successful spawn in 1999. Wow. So, Paddlefish being long-lived, they were coming into sexual maturity around 2008. So therefore, suddenly we had a flood of adult fish swimming up the river to spawn, which supported a huge increase in angling, snagging popularity, which we have capitalized on. And uh, Oklahomans now are much more familiar with paddlefish than they were before 2008. What is is an average lifespan of a paddlefish? We've aged over 20,000 fish from Grand Lake since 2008, and most of the fish that come in are from that one age class, nearly 80% of the fish caught. And that's hard to believe. It is a long-lived fish, and we have aged fish up to 27 years old, but typically we don't find fish over 20 years old. That's, so most of these are 20 years old or less. Wow, that that's that's a long time though. That that so these are slow slow growth fish and we have to really be careful how we manage them in order to keep the catch rates we currently have. And what makes them even more sensitive, you said slow growing, they're also slow to mature. So a female may not be sexually mature until half of her life is over. Oh my god. 8 to 10 years. Not only is does she not mature until then, she also has to have the right river conditions and a healthy female given the right conditions may not spawn every year anyhow. Wow. So she may only have a couple of shots through her uh period where she's actually available to spawn. Man. 
So, so really, you guys really, really have to do a lot of research and effort in trying to understand populations and current populations uh, in, in order to keep keep this uh, fish numbers uh, a healthy number. Yeah, that's what makes it sort of difficult to manage because they're so sensitive to over harvest. Yeah, you can't just stock more. They take a long time to to reproduce and mature. So, and paddlefish are special. They can't necessarily be restocked. They can't be replaced. They're sensitive to over-harvest, and we want to prevent that. But at the same time, we want to preserve the angling opportunities for paddlefish for many generations to come, and the only way to do that is to protect them. We're going to be able to learn about paddlefish harvest statewide, not just where we have eyes and ears such as Grand Lake. So we have paddlefish in Uligaw Lake. We have paddlefish in Keystone Lake, Call Lake. Eufaula Lake, Texoma Lake, etc. But we can't be there. We can't monitor harvest in every place at the same time. So this is going to teach us a lot. It's also going to allow us to possibly tweak the regulations based on a particular stock of fish in in one reservoir. So we're not managing statewide based on what we see in Grand Lake. We'd be managing Uluga based on what we see in Uluga. Right, right, right. So it, the, the more the public can help you, the more the department can help the public. Exactly. I mean, we, the more information, you know, the, the more information we gather, the better off we're going to be able to be as far as making an educated decision, what our harvest rate should be, uh, what we what we don't need to do with the fish, what we do need to do with the fish. And, and like you said, pres- preserve these fish or the opportunity to catch these fish for many, for many, many years to come. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to throw in as far as what you'd like the public to know about the paddlefish? Well, this whole program has been made possible by the participation of our snag anglers. Um, we we alluded to the fact that we have a research center up in Miami, which studies the Grand Lake population, and that is fully supported by angler participation. It's purely voluntary, and we wouldn't know half the information we know right now without the help of the anglers. So this just takes it one step further and says, okay, statewide, can you give us some information on harvest rather than simply looking at Grand Lake where we've yeah, been focusing? Yeah. And, and, folks, you need to understand, too, that uh, one of the, the primary things that the, the OWDC will do for you, you know, you drop that fish off up at the Miami site, and they'll clean that fish for you and bag it. And all you got to do is go back within, what, 24 hours, 48 hours? 24 hours. And, and pick it up. It's a done deal. I mean, yeah. what kind of, you know, you can't hardly get a better deal than that and have somebody clean your fish for you. So, uh, you know, I really encourage everyone who is a paddlefish fisherman to uh, support the OWDC or Oklahoma Department of Wildlife and, and provide them with as much information as you possibly can. Uh, all What you're primarily going to be doing is is really ensuring the future of this fish and the ability to catch this fish in the state of Oklahoma. And th- and that's what we're all trying to do here. You know, uh, they, they do a marvelous job, uh, and uh, the more information you can give them, the better off, you're, the better off everyone's going to be. Don't you agree, Jason? 
Definitely. Well, folks, Jason, man, that, that's great information, and uh, I'm glad you come on the show. And thanks so much for educating not only me but also the listeners on the paddlefish. And I'm sure that's information that will help our listeners, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get the word out a little bit better and, and, and get some more of that information flowing back to, to you so you can help us help you. Tell us how you like the show or how we can improve on it. Or if you have a suggestion on a topic, let us know. We'll try to put a show together that will help you and answer your questions. And folks, don't forget Just Fish Outdoors is available to listen anytime on Facebook. Uh, just drop us a line by email at justfishoutdoors at justfish.com, uh, and uh, we'll sure uh, answer your questions. We, we love to get emails from listeners, and uh, if we can't answer your question, we'll, by golly, we'll find someone who can. And folks, don't forget, get out and enjoy one of the many lakes or streams uh, we're blessed to have. Thanks for listening, and be sure to catch us next week. Uh, This is Dale York, host of Just Fish Outdoors, saying we'll catch you later.